be turning in your Bible to uh, the book of Zephaniah. Minor prophet, hard to find. Somewhere between Matthew and Psalms. He's in the middle. I like the minor prophets. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of good there's a lot of good little verses that come from the minor prophets and you know, we all have these verses that we keep, maybe you know, these verses that we uh, always tell ourselves, we are more than conquerors, or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And these are great moments of Scripture, and we have, say, uh, Micah is a good one. I always love Micah. What does the Lord require? Act justly, walk humbly, love mercy. That's a great verse. That's like a cross-stitch verse that hangs on your, you know, right? But what we often don't think about is what happened before in Micah when he said, uh, I have, the Lord has a case against you and you cannot win. <laughs> so there's always, <laughs> there's always something attached to it, I think. So let's look in Zephaniah chapter 3 and I'll, we'll find one of, the <clears throat> one of those verses. One of those beautiful verses. Zephaniah chapter 3. I, this is just one of those verses that I've told people about and we talk about in its... Uh, you know, it's, it's just beautiful. So, Je- Zephaniah three seventeen, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Has anybody heard that before? This is one that I tell people a lot. He'll rejoice over you with singing. He takes great delight in you. This is something that I would like to have on my wall to remind me. But just like every other verse that is about God's great love for us, let's not, re- let's not re- forget what happens at the beginning of Zephaniah. See, my, truth is, my little, uh, my uh, romantic comedy, uh, I'm a big fan of romantic comedy, so these verses always hit me, and you know, I like to, I like to play guitar, I cook, I like romantic comedies. Obviously, later on, I need to grab a hammer and beat something so I can gain back my man card. But um, some of these verses, like I remember when I was, Pastor Steve introduced me to a verse in Isaiah that I'd missed. And it was like, I remove your transgressions for my sake. And like, there was this part of me that was like, this is like, Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire saying, you know, I, for my, and, and Israel saying, you had me a hello. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Actually, God is removing your transgressions for his sake because you're dragging his name through the mud constantly and he's, he's tired of having his name profaned. So, with that in mind, so when we think about, okay, when we think about God singing over us and delighting over us with great joy, which he does, uh, I'm not meaning to diminish the power of a verse. You know, this is the God that actually spoke and the whole world was created. I can't imagine what happens when He sings. But it must be amazing. And He thinks that, He does that over you. Dan and Lee and Ashley, He does that over you. He sings over you. But let's go to Zephaniah chapter 1. And talk about that a little bit. The word of chapter 1, verse 1 the word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi, son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, 
during the reign of Josiah, king of, uh, son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth. Yikes. Doesn't exactly sound like he's singing over you while he is sweeping away the entirety of the earth. Declares the Lord, I will sweep away both men and animals. I will sweep away the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. The wicked will only have, will have only heaps of rubble when I cut off man from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. So how do we get from chapter 1 to chapter 3 is what I want to know. Because this, uh, they're the same God, right? It's not, he doesn't have multiple personalities. God is the God that says, I'm ready to sweep this off the earth because of the way you, and then he says, I delight over you. So what happens? What is happening in the middle? Why is he mad? Let's look at some of these uh, verses. Let's look uh, ahead to uh, verse 8. Number 1, on the day... This is a good key. Verse 8 of chapter 1. On the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the princes and the king's sons and all those clad in foreign clothes. Verse 9. On that day, I will punish all who avoid stepping on the threshold who fill the temple of their gods with violence and deceit. Skip ahead to 12. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent, who are like wine left in, on its dregs, who think the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. And so God has a case. You know, I always wondered about the some of the old some of the laws that determined like clothing, where they where God's people would not wear clothing that was woven of two different fabrics, and it would have tassels. And I always wondered, always wondered why. But he was setting himself a people apart, and he wanted us to look apart too. You notice that one of the things that he sees here, one of the things he, he his complaint is about, they're dressed like everyone else. They're dressed like. Uh, they're dressed in foreign clothes. Those foreign countries that those clothes represent were ungodly people. Ungodly. Yeah, I've seen this before in the Scripture where God says you're dressed in, you're, you're dressing like the Assyrians, you're acting just like these people. These are not my people, you are my people. But that was always the problem with Israel. Let's go back to verse 1 for a moment and realize that when Zephaniah is speaking, he is a prophet that is called to speak during the reign of Josiah. Now let's talk about him. He was a king. He started being a king of Judah when he was eight years old. He was wiped away. God's, the kings that were there, were not doing right in the sight of the Lord either. Some were, some weren't, but we will see through Josiah that God's people were not living correctly. God's people were not living as he called them to live. And God is, uh, God is calling them back. And he always calls us back by telling us about how serious the, car, the charges are. Why would we even bother to repent without knowing the charges are serious? This is, this is our relationship with God he's talking about. It's no wonder... I, sometimes, I, so I need God to look at me sometimes and say, you know, the behavior that you're exhibiting is the behavior I would use to wipe off the earth. 
Because something has to click on us to say, I repent. So Josiah, eight years old, eight years after he starts to reign, he wants to fashion himself as a king in the line of David that actually honors God. Josiah did a lot in, his, in the kingdom for God's sake. When Josiah was 16, no, 26 rather, eight years after that, they are rebuilding the temple, which had been uh, not, not cared for. And they find a book of the law which had been disregarded. A book of God's Word which had been dust-coated and covered and hidden. They hadn't even paid attention to it. Right? And so he has the law, book of law read to him and Josiah weeps because he realizes how far that the kingdom had, come, had fallen from what God had called them to be. He tears his clothes, he weeps, and he goes on a mission. So let's turn, we'll stay back in Zephaniah later. Let's go back to 2 Kings. Second Kings, chapter 22. Oh, come on. You know, I have a bookmark for this very purpose, and here I am all over the place. Chapter 22, um, verse 9. Let's see. Let's start with uh, let's start with 18. Right, the book of the law had been found. They read it. Josiah is uh, tearful about it. Um. And uh, let's go back to 15. Uh, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Tell the man who sent you to me, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on this place and its people according to everything written in the book the king of Judah has read. That'd be the book of the law. Because they have forsaken me and burnt incense to other gods and provoked me to anger by all the idols their hands have made. My anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, this is what the Lord of God says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart, Josiah, was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I had spoken against this place and its people, that they could become accursed and laid waste. Because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Together, Therefore, I will gather you to your fathers and you will be buried in peace. But what I want you to realize is that this one person, I know it was king, but he's still one person. And because this one person responded properly, God says, I have heard you. And what does that spur in Josiah? Well, he renews the covenant. We're going to skip ahead to 23 here. Uh, Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah and the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all of the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple. So he didn't just hear this for himself. He read it to everyone. He shared it amongst the kingdom. This is where we've fallen from. This is who we need to be. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant 
uh, in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep His commands, regulations, and decrees with all His heart and all His soul. Thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. All of them coming back to God. And how does um, Josiah, how does he um, show that? Well, he goes through the, let's go ahead and read. So let's go ahead and read on from uh, verse 4. The king ordered Hilkiah, the high priest, the priests next in rank and the doorkeepers, to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asherah and all the starry hosts. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron Valley and took the ashes to Bethel. He did away with the pagan priests appointed by the kings of Judah to burn incense on the high places of the towns of Judah and on those around Jerusalem. Those who burn incense to Baal, to the sun and the moon, to the constellations, and to all the starry hosts. He took the Asherah pole from the temple of the Lord and burned it. He scattered it. He burned it to powder and scattered the dust over the graves of the common people. And he tore down some other things too. Um, he brought. He got. What did he do? He got rid of everything. He got rid of the things. He repented. Right? The whole land had been overrun with idolatry, which does not surprise me. Because um, what's, the second of the, what's the second commandment? Don't make an idol. Because I'm a jealous God. Have no other God. I am the God. I am your God. Have no other gods before me. Don't make idols. Don't be idolaters. Now, me as a kid, and even, you know, older as I get older, I kind of thought of idolatry, you know, that's not something we do now. I, I, I haven't seen many people bowing to idols recently. You know, I'm not, although there was that episode of Brady Bunch where Greg had the idol around his neck and the big spider came up after him and he had to, you know. So right there I knew not to worship idols. Um, but, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, this is kind of a, it's, it's, an, it's an old concern. No way he's an idol worshiper. No. Idolatry is probably the greatest sin that we committed against God because it's so tied to our pride and it's so tied to our, our, our um, restlessness. John Calvin says that, uh, let me read this correctly, man's nature is a perpetual factory for idols. We're constantly searching to put something, to make something important to us that takes the place of God. And I love the, I love the fact that in the, in the second commandment, God says He's a jealous God. And I've thought about that before, like, you know, because when we think of jealousy, we don't think of it as a good trait. It's not exactly, you know, well, Dan, he's really jealous. You know, you're not going to, you don't think of that in a good way, but, in, but we have to understand what jealousy is with God. He is jealous, number one, he's jealous for his name. God is for the lifting of his name. Why? If I said this about myself, it would not come across well. Everyone speak of Rob in great you know, joy. No. God's name is the only name that can change things. The only name that saves. We take refuge in the name of God. It is no wonder that His name is to be lifted up on high. 
And that jealousy extends towards us because He is jealous for us to be in Him, in His name, in that refuge. He is jealous for our good. He wants us. His jealousy is perfect. We are His people. We are His creation. He desires us. We are His. Um, but again, I go back to the fact that God, I mean, I don't know why you're so upset with me. It's not like I'm worshiping an idol in my backyard. And then he sends me to the book of Colossians. So let's turn to the book of Colossians. This is a little trip through the scriptures today. Colossians chapter 3. Because again, as I say, idolatry always to me, when I was younger, seemed like an old sin. Something that we really didn't get involved with anymore. But, I, uh, as I've gotten older, I've come to realize that that is absolutely not true. We are still creating idols. We are still worshiping things and putting them higher than the place that God holds in our hearts. So let's look at uh, Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to be in verse 5 and 6. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Uh, the, um, I think the ESV says covetous, which is idolatry. And so the root of idolatry is covet, covetousness, which is uh, envy, which is I want for something I don't have, right? And God is trying to tell us constantly, I am your king, you have me, I am all you need. And we as his people are always saying, yeah, but look at that, yeah, but look at that. Think about the fact that even the only reason Josiah exists as a king is because Israel wanted a king to begin with. God did not want him to have a king, but they wanted to have a king so they would, because everybody else has a king. All these other countries have a king. And who did they pick? They picked Saul because he was tall and pretty because they were, they'd lost their sight of God. And... Um, God, God was broken hearted over that decision. And He continues to be because we are constantly looking. So when I read that covetousness is idolatry, I realize that how much that I still have that problem. How much that we on this, in this time, still have a problem with idolatry. And we realize that, um, that you know, if we really thought about the things that keep us from God, you know. I, again, I don't worship my car, but do I, do I find myself lab, you know, showing myself by my possessions? Are those the most important things to me? Do I want to be known by you know, um, my job? Is that the most important thing to me? Whatever is taking our focus off of our relationship with Him is our idol. It is our idol. And it's based off of the fact that 
we want to be important in others' eyes when really what we should be looking at is what God wants. And so Josiah, as the good king, tears down these poles. And sometimes that's what we need to do in our lives. We need to tear things down. We need to get rid of those things that are keeping us from a closer relationship with God. Um, It doesn't surprise me that, you know, the 80 years of bad living that leads to Josiah, it doesn't surprise me that Zephaniah speaks that way and how they're connected. That Josiah who gets the book of the law and starts renewing the covenant with God and removing all of the impediments of idolatry to, uh, to clear their hearts for the covenant to God is reflected in these words in Zephaniah. In chapter 2, let's go back to Zephaniah, we'll stay there. In chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Gather together, gather together, O shameful nation, us, before the appointed time arrives and the day sweeps on like chaff, and the, uh, before the fierce anger of the Lord comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. He's given us a shot for repentance. I cannot... I, I love to think about the fact that Josiah and Zephaniah are probably speaking to each other and working through this with each other. The prophet preaching and Josiah doing. Because I believe firmly that the actions of Josiah in the kingdom is what leads us to Zephaniah 3, 17. It's that what he's doing with his repentance is what leads us to God singing over us. Right? So God's still telling us in chapter 2, I'm going to destroy not only you, but I'm going to destroy all the nations around you. Um, I'm going to destroy Assyria and Cush, and I'm going to um, bring them to their knee. And so, uh, let's skip ahead to 3. Woe to the city of oppressors, back to Israel. Rebellious and defiled, she obeys no one, she accepts no correction, she does not trust in the Lord, she does not draw near to her God. Um... And uh, woe to us because we still need to realize that that God is um, God is serious in His anger. But then we we skip ahead to uh, verse nine, and He says, "Let me stop here for a second because I'm rushing myself." Um, it is what God is is. Let's read verse 9, sorry. I'm trying to get my thoughts straight. Then I will purify the lips of the peoples, and then all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve Him shoulder to shoulder. Right? So God is reminding us, and the prophets do this all the time, is that I have this case against you, I am going to do this, I'm calling you to repentance. But in the truth, God... God, God does not want this wrath on mankind. God, what God wants is to draw us to Him. And so He's changing the language of the people in the, in the fact that they are now praising God. I wonder if, um, or I, I love the fact that we can connect that with what Josiah is doing by reading the word of the Lord to the people and that they are all renewing their covenant to Him. And so it is through, that, through the renewing of ourselves to God that He renews us. 
that He renews us by purifying the lips of us. Um, that, uh, that all of us will be calling on Him. That He um, changes us. That on that day, it's, let's read in 11, on that day, you will not be put to shame for all the wrongs you have done to me because I will remove, them, remove from this city those who rejoice in their pride. Never again will you be haughty on my holy hill, but I will leave within you the meek and humble who trust in the name of the Lord. He removes our deeds. He removes our wrongs. He removes them so that we can be humble in Him. Um, so that we can be His people. Found in Him. I really believe that as we go on, uh, let's go to 14. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And so that's how we get to this part. That's how we get to this. Is that we are found humble. That we have renewed our covenant. That we have repented. And that we have worked the idols out of our lives. And that we are in Him that we will be found meek and low in Him. That we take refuge in Him. Right? But I, Back to verse 12, but I will leave you within you the meek and the humble. These are the people that are seeking God. These are the people that know that the righteousness only comes from Him. The meek, the humble. And that they trust in the name of the Lord. That they take refuge in the name of the Lord. And that when we are in that state is that state of delight and that state of singing and that state of quieting us with His love. Now, does God call, does God, if we're not exactly in that state, is He not still seeking us? No, that's not true. He's always seeking us to pull us in. But isn't that the way it is like with Josiah? The, the kingdom, the people in the kingdom were far afield from him, and by renewing the covenant and repenting, that he, they draw near. And as we draw near to God, so much more is done in his name in our lives, and so much more delight we have in him when we are living our lives more aligned with what he has for us. Can you hear it, the singing? Can you feel it, the delight that he has in us? How jealous He is for us. How much He wants for us. What is it in our lives that are keeping us from that? What idols do we have in our lives? I can't answer that for you. I can answer it for myself. I mean, I've experienced the, whole, I, the, the wholeness of verse 9 where He says, I will purify your lips. I, I can tell you what that's like. Because when I'm further away from God, I know that the, my language gets, I'll just say, more salty. But when I'm closer to Him, I know that that, stop, that changes. Now, is that because 
I'm making that change or is that because he's making that change? I don't. It's, I know that I can't do anything good outside of him. Lately, all my prayers start with, you are good and I am not. The, the, and the closer I get to him, the more I realize I'm further away. But be that as it may, I still take my refuge in him. And I know those moments of, our, of my life where I seek, the more I seek him, the more he is using me and the more delight I have in him. So, for us to look at the, at the reign of Josiah and to realize how a renewing of ourselves and our, a promise, we've read the law. How do we get so far afield? How did they even get so far afield? Well, number one, the book of the law was dust covered and hidden. That's just a simple truth. The more we are in his word, the more we know about him, the closer we are to him. The more we realize the fault in our lives, the easier it is to see the things that we have made idols and need to be drawn out of our lives. The more that we know what he calls us to be, and the greater the call, the greater the pull. It, I can understand how God's people are because we are, the, we are the same. I can understand how easy it is to get to push yourself away from God and how, easy, how much easier it is to fall out of the routine of worship and the routine of, and I, when I say the habit, the habit of it. Our habits are, are bad from the beginning. Right? We're, we're corruptible people. And to, so when I push myself more towards Him through my habits, through my practice, through the practice of reading, the, the, the whole idea of reading through the Bible for the year, and through the practice of that, the practice of prayer, and the practice of being amongst His people and worshiping, the more I see, and the more He does, the more I'm hearing His Word in the grocery store or at work. Because I, unfortunately, have the uncanny ability to shut Him off and live uh, outside of Him speaking to me or what feels to be outside. But the more I call back to Him, the more He speaks. The, more I, the closer I get to Him when I realize where I've gone astray and where my idols are, and the more I'm willing to tear down those idols. I mean, those poles were everywhere throughout the land, these Asherah poles. And he ripped them down and burned them down in front of everyone so that they would see that they are no longer a people that call to Baal. They're no longer idolaters. That they are God's people. And that we are God's people. And this is, this is the lesson for us. We are God's people. And whatever it is that's holding us back, Remove it. Pray. It's not easy. It's a, it's a lifelong process. It's not like I'm saying by the end of next week you're going to be great. But by the end of next week you can be closer. By the end of today you can be closer. Closer to Him. Closer to hearing that singing that He delights over us with. Because the, God, the same God that does want to 
wipe clean all the fish of the sea and all the birds of the air is the same God that delights over you and the same God that loves you so much that he would give himself and put his righteousness over you so that you can be in him and taking refuge in him. What are the idols in our lives that we need to clear out? What are these things that hold us back from him? Remove them. Ask his, ask his power to remove them. I can't remove all these things myself anyway. I need God to, to purify my word. I just find this so beautiful in that you see it. You practically see it now in Zephaniah and Josiah together. That God is calling them. God is showing them their, their wickedness and calling them to repentance. And Josiah is repenting at the same time and he's clearing out the idols and he's purifying their lips and he's renewing their covenant and he's delighting over them in singing. That's how we get from point A to point B. Is, uh, is knowing him and knowing who he is and knowing and relying on his grace to work these, these um, I want to hear singing. I don't want him to have to save me in spite of me. I want to hear singing. I want, del- I want to hear, I want to feel delight. Right? I could be, I have been the guy that gets saved because I've profaned his name. <laughs> and that's, Uh, he, he's come to me in moments of, of lowness and he's come to me in moments of pride and he's come to me in all these moments and I've felt all those things. I, felt, I have felt his presence calling me back because, you know, because I've been profaning his name. Right? You're my people. I, I just, I, and that's, why that's what makes so much sense to me when he gets upset about them uh, uh, dressing like these people and taking on their habits of kings and taking on their habits of idols. I didn't call you to be that way. Listen, we live in an era, we live in a society now that if we're to be living as him, we're going to be seen as different. Different. And it's easy to want to not, to want to fit into a different, to our culture around us. Easy. I, I, I slide into that all the time. But we're called to be different. We're called to be his. And just as they wore clothes that made them look different and their habits made them look different to the outsiders, we're called to be different in our spirit. We're called to be a different people in our behavior, in the way we act. We're called to be different. And... Um, it's going to get harder to do that, I think. You know, because this the the stark relief between God's people and God, not God's people, it's becoming more and more. So the lessons of Josiah are as important today as they were then, and the lessons of Zephaniah, which again I love a good old minor prophet, are as important today as they were then. That. Uh, don't be following everybody else around you. Just because they do that, I've called you to be different. You take refuge in my name. I am jealous for you. 
I am jealous for you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your blessings of this day. I thank you for I thank you for your jealousy, jealousy of me. Father, I pray that you show me what is in my life keeping me away from you, Father. I pray that you show me the idols that I have set up. Father, I pray that you tear down those poles, that you show me where I need to renew my covenant, Father. And I real, we realize that all of our salvation comes from you, and the covenant is, is through your promise. Father, but help us to work out our salvation while you're working in us, Father. We pray that you draw us near, that, that, you, that you help us to open our eyes and understand what it is that you call us to be, Father. And we pray most of all that we hear your singing, that we hear your singing over us, Father. These things we pray in your Son's name, and amen. Thank you all. I, uh, I don't know, dismissals are always weird. Stand up, it's done. I don't know what else to say. I hope you have I hope we all have a great week. How about this? Here's your homework. Reach out to somebody on text or phone or somehow that you don't normally reach out to and just say hello and see how they're doing. And maybe you'll start a conversation with someone. That's your homework. If you need somebody's number, tell me I got a lot of them. <laughs>